Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com www.k-a-n-g-a-r-o-o-f-e-r-n.com Hello and welcome to today's presentation all about workflow, systemizing and outsourcing your podcast. My name is Lyndall Harris. My business is Podcast VA and we offer a variety of post-production support services to help make people's podcasting journey easier and help them get their message out to the world. And I also run uh, an active Facebook group called the Australian Podcasters Collaborative. And I have been working in the Australian podcasting industry for the last five or six years now. So I am stoked to be presenting to you here today at PodFiesta. And we are going to touch on uh, workflow, systemizing and outsourcing, but I do know that there are other presentations about outsourcing. So we'll sort of just touch on that and we won't probably go into too much detail there. So we're going to talk about the five-step podcast workflow and systemizing and streamlining your process and outsourcing as well. So when we talk about systemizing and streamlining, we really want to make that process easier because if you are a podcaster already, you will know that once you've done the launch tasks and you move into the ongoing episodes, then a lot of those processes, a lot of those tasks are exactly the same for each episode that you publish. So it is a process that you can systemize quite easily. So the five-step podcast workflow that I talk about is the five Ps. You may have heard about the three Ps, the six Ps. There's lots of different variants of this, and it doesn't matter which one you work with. It's just about breaking the different tasks into sections so that you know, you know, where it fits in each category. So if you've heard of another workflow, then you know, there's no, there's no need to think it's wrong, but there's, cause there is quite a few different variants of this, but this one I thought I would share with you today because this is how we work through it with our clients. So the first one is pre-production. Then we move into production, post-production, publishing and promotion. And we're going to break down those now and have a little look about what is included in each particular step. So in step one, the pre-production phase, we're talking about the planning. So we're looking at brainstorming topics. We're thinking about the episode planning and booking guests if relevant, if you're offering um, interviews. So when it comes to the brainstorming, it might be that you book in a quarterly or a half yearly um, meeting with your team or sit down by yourself or if you have a co-host and you start to brainstorm the topics that you'd like to cover that are relevant for the audience. So you're really looking at that macro level in this stage, um, topics that you want to cover, guests that you might want to have on, any upcoming events that are happening that are relevant in your industry. So you might come up with uh, a Google sheet or a spreadsheet. You might have mind mapping software or you might just want to use a pen and paper and really just jot all of these down so that you can take that into the next step, which is episode planning. So my suggestion here is that you have a, a spreadsheet or as I say, mind mapping software and you can start to sort the episodes so that you can see if there is a bit of a flow that will make it make more sense for your audience as well. So for example, if I was doing a podcast 
on the Steps to Launch a Podcast. I might start with a summary and then I might do some episodes that really break down each of those steps. But it would make sense for me to have them in a flow rather than talking about, you know, how you promote your podcast launch before I'm even talking about step one, which is looking at your strategy. So just be mindful of that flow and how that will work. When it comes to the episode planning as well, this might be something you do monthly, again, quarterly, uh, really having an outline and scripting what you want to say in the show. So some people can um, ad-lib and just record their episode without any notes. Some people like to outline their notes with certain dot points and others like to script the topics. So script the whole um, episode, but record it so it doesn't sound like they're reading. So that's fine as well. You can put down here any stories that you want to include that might be relevant, uh, resources that you would like to reference in the show. If you need to link to any old episodes, you can go and find that information before you hit record so that you can tell people which episode to go back and listen to. What questions do you want to ask your guests? So uh, if you're interviewing a guest that's on a lot of different podcasts, perhaps you want to ask some questions that really are quite different to what they've answered before. And again, you could have a, a Google sheet, um, a spreadsheet. You could use a Word document or a, a Google Doc project management software. It's really up to you on how you want to go about doing that episode planning. But it really does help you. It helps make that whole process a little bit easier when you do the brainstorming, you come into the episode planning, and then you look at booking guests. Now, when it comes to booking guests, I cannot say this strongly enough. Please look at using an online booking system. You don't have to. It's not mandatory. But from my experience, when I used to work with podcasters booking guests, we there's so much back and forth if you don't have an online calendar system. So firstly, you're looking at, you know, the date and the time, and then you, you're having to ask them for information. So my suggestion is you look at a program like Calendly or Schedule Once or Acuity, Book Like a Boss, there's lots of them. And you set up your podcast recording times. Now, the other advantage of this is that you might be a person who uh, records better in the morning rather than late in the evening or the afternoon, or you might have children around after school. And if you setting, if you set this system up, you get to allocate the times that people can book into. So um, you might have, you know, every morning between nine and 12 from Monday to Friday, or you might say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, between nine and 12 is when I'm going to book my podcast interviews in. And then when you agree with somebody that they're going to be on the show, you send them the link they then go and find the time that suits them and is free in your diary. The other benefit of that is that you can send an automated email follow-up. Now, depending on whether you're using a CRM uh, or, or whether you're just using one of these softwares, you can set it as a form. So an example is my podcast. When I was booking guests in, I would send the link through Dubsado, which is my CRM, and I would get people to fill in a form when they agreed and they booked a time. So it would get their name, their website, all of their social links, any resources that they wanted me to link to. So if they had an online course, for example, and it also goes through us for their bio, um, their image, so that I can go and just use their headshot in the image when I'm ready to set it up. And I also had a little section on the bottom of that form, which was the 
agreement. So not all podcasters have an agreement, but for me, I just found it easy rather than sending out a separate document and really confusing people. I have a little paragraph at the bottom of my form um, that just tells people how I'm going to use the podcast and they just do a little tick box and agree to it there. So you can see that I'm not then having to go backward and forward and get all of the information. So I'm not emailing them and saying, okay, what time suits you? Then they're coming back and forth to actually organize the time. Then I'm having to go back and ask for the headshot and ask for their bio and all of that. And if they don't send it through, you've got to follow it up. So just really, really streamlining that um, guest booking section is hugely beneficial um, on your time. And it's something that you can systemize quite easily. Now, in the step two, which is the production stage, you're really just looking at when are you going to record and how are you going to record. So when we look at the when are you going to record, we sort of touched on it in the last slide where I say, like, if you know that your recording times or you have better energy in the morning or you're just clearer and it's your most productive time, then book in using your um using your best time to do that. If you know that you have children at home at certain times, then obviously you probably don't want to book it in at that stage. If you have the bin man comes at 10 o'clock every Tuesday or you have the lawn man that comes at 2 p.m. every Thursday, you know that you don't want to have people booking into those times. So really be mindful. Um, the other thing that you might want to think about is when you're allowing people to book into a system, have a, a set time that they can't book into early because you probably don't want someone to book in at four o'clock in the afternoon for a 10 o'clock the next day if it's not giving you the time to prepare for that interview. So thinking about, um, you know, when and where have you got any noise in the background? How long does it take you to set everything up? So does it take you half an hour to get all of your equipment out and soundproofing and all of that kind of stuff or is it quite quick? And the other thing here is, you can batch your solo recordings, you can batch your interviews as well. So have a think about when you are setting everything up, it's going to be much more streamlined that you then go and record when everything is set up. So if I'm, if I'm, if I've outlined all of my episodes for the month, for example, and I set my, my microphone up and I've got soundproof everything set up and I've got a good amount of time I might record three episodes then instead of just the one episode when you're thinking about how to record we're really talking about thinking about your space and whether you've set it up properly so do you have you know your soundproofing if you're in an echoey room um, maybe doing a little bit of a test what sort of software do you use so you probably will have thought of all of this before you start but making sure um, that perhaps you might have a little pre-recording checklist that says turn off the dishwasher or turn off any electronics that beep when they're finished or close doors and windows put your pet outside, um, have a glass of water. Don't put ice in your glass of water because that's going to jingle as you pick it up and have a mouthful. Um, you know, go to the toilet, little things like that. Some people even like to put, uh, uh, you know, something as obvious as hit record because you would be surprised how many people I have seen over the years who have recorded an interview and they forgot to hit record. So you might like to use a little bit of a checklist. You don't even have to tick it off. It might just be something that you stick to your wall or something that you just run through and make sure uh, that everything is working for you and ready to record. 
Step three is the post-production stage. And really in the post-production stage, we're talking about the editing and the ID3 tagging. So when you've edited, when you've recorded an episode, my suggestion is that you straight away save a copy of it somewhere else. So if it's recorded to your computer, maybe save a copy to the cloud because some people will edit their episodes and publish them straight away. Some people might have quite a bank of episodes and you don't want to rely on it being in just the one place. So I always think it's a good idea to um, have that and export it somewhere into the cloud or have it in multiple places. Some of the editing tools or software programs allow you to have templates set up so that if you if you can have that set up, then it really minimizes your time in the editing process. So even so I know Adobe Audition allows you to have um, templates, but even if you're using something like Audacity or GarageBand, which is one of the free, uh, really popular editing programs, you can still have your intro all sitting in there and your outro sitting there and you can drop in um, and import the certain uh, recordings and really sort of make it a lot easier for you than having to start it over each and every time. So that might be something that you consider when it comes to the editing. Again, you might create a short sort of template or checklist that outlines the tasks that you need to do to get the best audio quality. So, for example, you might uh, look at noise reduction, graphic equalization, and then run it through Orphonic. So it's really knowing what your recording space is like, what is the recording, what's the quality of the recording, and then knowing that there are certain steps that you are going to take for every single episode. And again, it just means that you, you use less brain space if you've got it set up as a checklist or as a template so that you can just just look at it and go, yep, yep, yep. And you're not thinking, what do I have to do again? What was that step called? If you ever like me and have brain blanks every now and then, you don't want to be thinking, oh gosh, what is that, that, um, you know, oh, graphic equalization. It's just there and it's in front of you. You don't want it if you've got any, if you have mental blanks. So I mentioned Orphonic there, and I think Orphonic is a great piece of software that can really finish off your editing and, and polish it off. Um, I won't go into the detail there because obviously there's probably other presentations that cover that, but um, it, it's something that uh, I think is really great. ID3 tagging is, is a very interesting topic in the podcasting world because I always suggest that you do it. I think it's a good idea, but there are a lot of people who don't bother. And, you know, there's talk about whether it's good for SEO, whether it's not. At the end of the day, it's up to you whether you want to ID3 tag your, your, your files, your episodes. Now, ID3 tagging is literally adding the metadata to an audio file. So if you have, if you think about a music file, when you see it online, you see the name of the song, the name of the album, the year it was published, what genre it is. And that is called, that's the metadata that's added to a, a file. Now, if you're unsure if you want to do it or not, one thing that you might want to consider is if your audience are listening to your podcasts, let's just say they're going on a road trip out to Central Australia and they're going to be taking lots of parts that don't have any coverage. They might download your episodes so that they can listen to it or they might download a few of your episodes so they can listen in the car or on the trip. And if you don't have that metadata added, when they download it to their files, it literally just comes up saying untitled. So they won't know. So let's just say they've downloaded 20 episodes of different shows 
they're not going to know which one is episode one of your particular show or episode 10 of your particular show because none of that metadata is there. Now, if you use a program like Orphonic, it is simple just to set up a preset and they added as well as polishing off the, the editing. So, but there are other uh, ways that you can do it. You can use iTunes, you can use an ID3 editor as well. But that is one other advantage, I guess, that I like about Orphonic is that it adds that and does the final sort of leveling and things like that in the editing process. Step four is about the publishing. And so the publishing, I guess, to get ready for the publishing, we need to look at creating your show notes and, well, if you use images, etc. So when we're creating show notes, I think it's really uh, important to touch on the fact that there are different ways to do them. Some people put a lot of effort and time into their show notes. They might write them like a blog, uh, really doing keyword research on their episodes and uh, really setting it up like a blog post. And there is there are different ways to do it. So that's that's one way. Um, one Another thing that people do is just have a couple of sentences which outline what the episode is about, or you might choose to have a couple of sentences about what the episode is about and then outline, you know, dot points of what they hear in this episode and then the links to different resources. So generally um, what we do when we offer it as a service is we'll have a couple of paragraphs, uh, sort of one, one or two paragraphs at the top, which, which gives an overall explanation about if someone's being interviewed or what the, the topic is being covered. Then I have sort of five to 10 dot points about in this episode. And what I do is if I'm interviewing or I've outlined the, the, um, the episode, I use the dot points from that or the questions and I turn them into the dot points that I include in the, in this episode, um, in the show notes. So that's a really good hack of how you're not having to reinvent the wheel when it comes to show notes. So if you do some, um, prep work in your episode planning, you can take those notes and turn them into the show notes quite easily. And it, and it really makes it a lot quicker than having to listen to the episode again or getting it transcribed and rewriting or, or writing the notes again. So the second step is the uploading and publishing on the host. And we'll come back to that because I just wanted to show you some examples of how different people um, or how people set up their shows, show notes separately. So you can see here the, this is one of my um, examples and we've got the couple of paragraphs at the top that explain what um, the episode is about. We've got the in this episode section. Underneath that, I couldn't capture it in the screenshot, but underneath that, um, we have a links uh, section which would link to the guest's website. It might link to an online course or a books or anything that they might have or their social links as well. So you can see there that um, that's one way to do it. Now, other piece, so this is uh, Angela Henderson looking at her episodes here. She has just one or two paragraphs that she explains it. She doesn't go into the detail of what's in the show. So there's no dot points of what's included in the episode and the, there are links included in the show, but then underneath that, she provides a transcript for her episodes. So some podcasters do go and get that transcript and add that to their show notes. Transcript is, or transcribing your podcast episode is a, a an interesting topic and it's one that I won't go into too much detail because for me I find it's a real balance between uh, the value you get from it uh, when you weigh up the cost of it and whether you have to have it so that it's uh, 
100% accurate or whether you can go with an AI version that's not 100% accurate but you're still providing it in a different um, type of content for people to consume it. The one thing I would say is when you're working out um, whether or not you need to transcribe, really consider your audience because I have had clients who have been asked specifically um, for a transcript script, for example, from people who have a hearing impairment. So if your audience uh, fall into that category, then you might well be thinking it would be a good idea to give it to them in that transcript as well. So that's just something to think about there. Publishing to your host, just going back to touch on that last step, uh, you know, there's a variety of hosts, but obviously you want to have your information all together so that it's ready, so that you have your, your audio ready to go, you have your show notes ready to go, and then you go in and publish it or schedule it into that host. We... Um, publish it onto a client's website as well. So if you're publishing it onto your host, you might want to take that embedded audio player and put that onto your website as well. But that is, um, it really depends on your podcast. It really depends on whether your, I think business podcast definitely should put it onto their website. But if it's a, uh, a passion project or a hobby and you don't have a pod, uh, website, then that's okay too. You don't actually have to have one. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're looking at your publishing. And step five in the process is promotion. So we are looking at all of the different variants that you have to promote your show. So if you have one, something you might want to do is sit back and work out what do you want to create for your promotional items and have a podcast marketing plan so that each and every time you release an episode, you're doing the same, epi- the same uh, promotions. So it might be that you do some social media posts from quotes. You might do audiograms. You might send emails. Uh, you, your emails might be weekly as you send your podcast out. It might be monthly. You might have a roundup style. Just have a blueprint on how you're going to send or how you're going to promote each and every episode. And with your social media, you can automate it from your hosts. So you could look into that and see if that suits your style. You might set up some, uh, like a spreadsheet again or a, a, a document of some description and outline them there, working out what's the best time for you to post, when's your audience online, what is the best um, what is the best platform for you, are your audience on LinkedIn, are they on Facebook, don't feel like you have to use all of them because obviously your audience might really be, you might pre- prefer to have two platforms rather than spreading yourself over all the platforms and not doing a great job on any of them. So, and repurposing your episodes. So make sure you go in and you pull out those quotes or you turn it into a video that you can put onto YouTube or you do a teaser video about your episode. There are lots and lots, and I'm sure there's going to be other presentations here today that will, or over this weekend, that will cover repurposing and how you can use that and some of the amazing tools out there these days that can help you with that as well. But it's super important this last step 
is really, really important. The promotion part of your podcast is often overlooked, um, but it is so important to help you grow your show and not just promoting it when it's been published, but going back and if it's evergreen content, republishing it and remarketing it so that people can pick up on it if they've missed it the first time. So <laughs> I love this guy's head. It's, it really, um, again, if you are a podcaster, you will know that it can really feel overwhelming to start. But if you look at how you can break down some of this workflow and systems and whether you use pen and paper, whether you use a spreadsheet, whether you use a, a project management tool, it really becomes quite straightforward once you learn the process and put that process into place. It's a lot of work or it can be a lot of work uh, depending on how much you put into it, but it's not hard work. But if you are, if you don't systemize it, then it can feel like that whole my brain has way too many tabs open because I'm trying to remember what I need to do for each episode. I need to try and remember all the editing steps and what do I do when I'm promoting it and all the different parts that go to it. So if you systemize it, whether that is through an online tool, whether that's just through a checklist, whether it's with pen and paper, some of the online tools that I recommend, um, I, I personally, I love Asana. Um, there's Asana, there's Trello, Monday.com, um, Teamwork, ClickUp. There are just so many different ones out there. So you can find, and some of them are free options or have great options in the free section as well. So don't feel that you need to go and spend a lot of money just to get this project management system uh, or systemizing your podcast. And outsourcing, we all know, I'm sure, the benefits of outsourcing. You can outsource it to somebody who has more knowledge and expertise in that particular area, which obviously means that it saves you money down the track because you're not having to rack your brains and work out how to do something. Um, it might be a better use of your time and your money to find somebody who can do that for you. And you, you can then spend the time on your podcast content. But as I said, I know that there are... Um, other presentations about podcasting throughout Podfest Fiesta. So I'm not going to really touch on it, but to say that if there are parts of your podcast that you find overwhelming or you just don't enjoy doing or it's holding your process up, know that there are plenty of options out there for you to outsource. Uh, go and find somebody that you can work with just to help that make that journey easier for you. And that is everything I have to cover today. Um, Podcast VA is my business, as I mentioned. The website's there on podcastva.com. If you would like to connect with me on social media, Facebook and Instagram are probably my main places, but I am on LinkedIn as well. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out and ask. And uh, yeah, if you'd like to join our Facebook group, the Australian Podcasters Collaborative, we would love to see you in there as well. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the summit and thank you so much for joining this presentation. This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com K-A-N-G-A-R-O-O-F-E-R